Welcome back to the morning scape. We got another podcast for you. It's Ked here. We're doing another little interview. Uh little little interview. And I'm I'm happy for the guy who's coming on. Uh we met over the offseason with free agent frenzy. Obviously, one of my favorite days of the year. Uh, we did a little cold stove, and then you all know what? He started his own podcast with my boy Brett Merriman. Uh NRD. What's up, buddy? How's everything going? What is going on, Caddy? It's a pleasure. Glad we're hey. finally able to do this. It's a long time coming to get NRD on the morning skate. So <laughs> I'm pumped. I'm pumped about it. We're definitely gonna have to have you keep coming on and on and on as you know things happen. And uh, you're, I mean, dude, you, you're definitely you're a premier name in the industry. I've heard Ra talk about you. He loves you, by the way. Like, do you guys have like some sort of relationship? Because on Spin Chicklets, he's always mentioning NRD. I will. I will say this, not to peel back the, not to break the fourth wall too much. I do know Ra outside of just him mentioning me on Chicklets, and he's an awesome dude. And uh, and I appreciate all the shout outs he gives. I appreciate the love from you guys. And listen, not to pat myself on the back, but you don't get that love without at least doing a good job in, in the fans' eyes. So I appreciate all that. Yeah. And, and let's just kind of hop right into it. I, I know we're not going to dive completely into your, you know, your whole story, your history. I'm not going to ask for your social security number. But how did you get involved in hockey? Like, how, how did all this come about? Like, did you play growing up? Give us a little background. Yeah. So, uh, so hockey's kind of been my in my life, and uh, what I've been able to do with the with the connections that I've had over the years is work my way into holding media credentials throughout the National Hockey League, and uh, growing a network of sources that I would say that I've probably and I, and I've mentioned this on many different appearances and whatnot that I've probably been able to benefit to under the anonymous uh, moniker that I have of NRD. I, I think that there's a little bit more of a uh, comfortability factor with with talking to me as opposed to. Uh, my boy drags or Elliot. Um, and uh, so I think that that's where really, really where it started, holding those media credentials, being able to meet people around the league, connect with uh, connect with scouts, connect with people in the front office, connect with players and agents and whatnot. And they kind of just snowballed. And it's it's what you all hear, see with your eyes on Twitter, hear with your ears on the Cold Stove podcast and here today. It's what it's kind of snowballed into over the years. Yeah, and, and what's kind of cool, I have your Twitter profile pulled up right now. Joined August 2012, so you're a real one, dude. You, you've been you've been on the Twitter sphere for quite quite some time. You've definitely grown. You said the whole anonymous thing. Now, do you think that, like, some people would kind of look at the anonymous thing, like, ah, maybe, like, do you think it also kind of holds you back in terms of just, like, people like, oh, I don't really know who this guy is. Is this guy real kind of a thing? Like, how do you get past people who are like that? Without a doubt, I, th- I think at times it's held me back, and other times I think it's it's excelled, right? Like, right. If, if you think about it, really, honestly, there's a little bit more, and this is what I always like to sell myself on, there's a little bit more of a mystique factor, right? Because, you know, you've seen my work, and I know many have. I don't have to sell you, but the work speaks for itself. And at the same time, there's that what's going on here with this account. So, yeah, there's detractors that'll say, listen, they'll never give me the time of day. I'm in my mom's basement. I'm yeah. doing this. I'm, you know, Eklund's ugly stepchild. And... You wow, know, it what, is a throw, what, it what is. a throwback name that is. Eckler. Yeah. So <laughs> this, and that's and that's honestly where where kind of where kind of get the detractors from is from that. But uh, I'd like to think that over the years and like you mentioned, August 2012, and it wasn't easy starting out. It's hard to break through anyway, in general, as an anonymous account, especially. And that was the peak of hockey buzz. Right. In, oh, in yeah. August of 2012. Oh, the HF boards were firing off, man. That was HF boards and they still don't like me over there either. Um, but that was kind of the start of it, but just being able to provide good information and letting the track record speak for itself. 10 years later, we're here and uh, Hell yeah. I'm doing shows like this that, you know, 
I don't see the other anonymous Twitter accounts that have came <laughs> and went. Because that's the other thing too, right? A lot of these accounts have popped up and they've came and went because they've been sniffed, uh, sniffed out and spit out for, for what they are, which are frauds. But uh, like I said, I like to think the work speaks for itself with NRD. I think, I think you know a true hockey fan if they know what HF boards are. Because I feel like back in the day, HF boards were like the premier place where you'd go and you'd get into all these Twitter battles. And it was probably or just like forum battles when you're younger and like HF boards, man, The back back in the day. Uh, my one buddy, Kevin Vlenny, plays for Utica. I, I've followed you for a while and like you've hit on a ton of things, right? And But Kevin's always kind of like the skeptical kind of guy of the group. And I remember one day he hit me up about you. And he's like, dude, this guy's got sources, like legit sources. And I'm like, yeah, I've been telling you that for like a long time now. So it, it's definitely cool. Um, and you and you started off a podcast with uh, Brett Merriman. How'd that end up coming about? So, you know, you were one of our guests. We did the trade melt live after the trade freeze at post-expansion draft this past offseason. Then we parlayed it into free agent frenzy. Dude, I and- got tripped so hard for not being able to pronounce Nadel- Nadelch. Nadelchkovich's name. They're like, this guy doesn't know know the goalie's name. I'm like, you want to know what, bud? No, I don't. (laughs) Alex Nadelkovich of the Detroit Red Wings, yeah. But that that trade happened while we were on the air. And and honestly, just doing that with you guys, with you, Pete Blackburn, we had Tara Sloan, her Twitter account on, she's a big follow on Twitter too. So we kind of just grew it into what became the Cold Still Podcast with Brett. Brett and I hit it off. We knew each other for a little while before that. And um, we looked at each other and said, what if we just did 32 thoughts, but had a little bit more fun with it? You know, yeah. we, we, we love the chicklets and we love the morning skates and we love, you know, hearing the stories from the players. But we said, listen, sometimes you get bored listening to 32 thoughts. What if we did a news podcast, but fun. And, you know, you keep the NRD thing behind it. Brett's an awesome host that, you know, we did a Brett was out last week. I did a little solo flying on the pod last week without Brett and it was rough. So it is definitely a, equal partnership we love doing it and hopefully it continues into something bigger just like the nrd twitter account did no absolutely and and what's kind of funny is like hockey fans obviously you love hockey you love watching the game and then i would argue the number two thing that hockey fans love are rumors like that that is that's what really gets you going right because in the back of your mind you want your team to win the stanley cup and you're coming up with all these different trade ideas whatever and the moment a name comes out you're like okay how can i get this guy to my team what's going on and i think that's why people get so pumped and being a rangers fan being a premier market they have all the money to spend pretty much every time a name comes up i'm like he's going to the rangers and uh I would always tell my buddy Hal that he's like, I fucking hate Rangers fans because every time somebody's name comes on the market, blah, 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 blah. I've been telling him McAvoy's going to be a Rangers for a year, just trolling on him. But uh, we definitely have some some rumors to kind of dive into. Well, we'll save the Rangers for last. But I think a big name that kind of just came on the market, uh, Klingberg out in, in Dallas has requested a trade. Uh, this is something that I guess has been going on for a while, uh, going back to like with the whole contract and stuff. What's the update on Klingberg right now? So I have been in the camp that he's going to be moved. I haven't heard anything that uh, he requested a trade. That's Dave Pagnotta, the fourth period scoop, and I won't take that away from him. But it's not a surprise that he will be moved by Dallas. One thing that I mentioned on the pod, on our uh, on our podcast over the past couple of weeks is you look at two teams out in the Eastern Conference that, are, that really need the help on the blue line, especially with another puck-moving defenseman that can chew up possession time and – that's the Boston Bruins and New York Islanders. And I know you probably wouldn't like to see him end up in uh, with the Islanders, Keddy, but uh, <laughs> they they definitely have a fit for, for a defenseman that can move the puck and can eat possession. And I know that doesn't necessarily mesh with Barry Trotz's system on the island, but 
he's the type of defenseman that both those teams need. I mean, the Islanders, a little bit more out of it than the Boston Bruins at this point. Boston's still sitting pretty to uh, to make a playoff run here, but both those teams could use the ju- juice from him. Jacob Chikrin's another name on the block. I would say that between Ben Chirot, John Klingberg, Jacob Chikrin, the potential of Samuel Girard, I know Colorado's been adverse to it, and then there were rumors that popped up at the end of October, beginning of November, when Colorado was faltering. Don't know where they really feel about that because he's been on the block for like three years now since he ended up in Colorado. So, but there, it's a good year for defensemen on the move. So Klingberg being out there is just another name in the pile of defensemen that will be on the move come March 21st at the deadline. Awesome. And we mentioned Boston there for a little bit, and then and a player that has been wanting to get out of there for a little bit, Jake DeBrusque. Uh, Browning can't stand him. Uh, I, I, he's had such a kind of a, a bizarre kind of career. Like when he first came on, he was hot. He was in the corners. He was grinding. And then that cadre thing happened. And I think ever since that happened in the playoffs, he's kind of, I don't know if he's lost his edge or whatever, but he wants out of Boston. What are some places where you think where Jake DeBrusque is going to go? What, what do you think his value is like right now? So the holdup in the Jake DeBrusque trade has, has truly been the fact that Don Sweeney is looking for a player that can step into that lineup. And, and maybe you're not going to get, if you believe that Jake DeBrusque is a second line winger, which clearly Boston doesn't at this point, but I've always been a big proponent of Jake DeBrusque. I think that if he has his potential, he can absolutely be a number two winger in the NHL or a second line winger, I should say. But either way, if you bring in a third line, you know, power forward that can contribute and eat minutes in the lineup and provide depth to the Bruins, I think that's more of where Don Sweeney's looking. And the issue to this point in that deal has been that Offers are flying in at futures, maybe a second, maybe a second and a conditional fourth and whatnot, right around what his offer sheet value would be. And that's just a non-starter for Don Sweeney right now. He's, he continues to try to chase down the playoffs and improve that roster, right? Like, DeBrusque isn't really yeah, providing to that lineup. Right. He sat out in favor of Oscar Steen the other night against New Jersey. But at the same time, you you don't want to absolutely lose the depth that you have, right? Like, the you could right. do worse on a plug and play than Jake DeBrusque. Right. God forbid there's injuries or COVID protocols. So I think the weight from the Boston point of view is we're going to bring in somebody that can contribute to the lineup today. As for the teams out there that have been looking, he was linked to Edmonton. I threw cold water on this recent edition of the Cold Stove Pod on that. I don't believe that that Kaylor Yamamoto slash Jake DeBrusque plus and futures going back and forth the other way thing was really ever a thing. I think there's a lot of uh, speculation about Jake DeBrusque going to Edmonton, obviously, because his father, Louis, does TV. Great Edmonton oiler, Louis DeBrusque was. And uh, so you can kind of draw connections there. But I don't know if there's that much serious interest there from Edmonton, especially because Edmonton, and we'll talk about Edmonton in a little bit, I'm sure, they have so many issues beyond a change of scenery for like a Kaylor Yamamoto that, and a Jake DeBrusque that I don't know if it really helps Edmonton either in that sense. So... I'm looking at teams that are looking for winger depth. The New York Rangers, they need winger. They've been looking for a winger since Sammy Blay left the lineup with a torn ACL. They've been looking for a winger since Vitaly Kravtsov went back to Russia. You look at Detroit, they're right out of it. Stevie Y, the type of GM that can make a under-the-radar move, right, and contribute to the lineup. Who knows if they make a playoff run this year? They're on the fringe. They fell out a little bit. But does a Jake, provi- uh, does a Jake DeBrusque provide a little bit more to them, not only this year, with a little bit more of a veteran presence in the locker room, but then in years beyond, right? Because as that team will continue to grow, you're going to need bodies. So I'm just looking at teams that can pick up a younger player who's still in RFA, 
for on the cheap and maybe cost them another change of senior guy that's not working out in that location. No, and you want to know something? You mentioned uh, COVID with like the uh, taxi squad stuff like that. Has have there been <clears throat> more rumors since COVID has happened? Less rumors? I'm just kind of thinking about it because. I feel like depth is a lot more important to these franchises now because of the whole COVID thing, right? Like people come in and out of the lineup. So like, do you think that there's more rumors kind of swirling since this all started or has it been a little bit more dead? I would say more dead. And and I don't want to talk out the both sides of my mouth, but to your point, depth is very important. It's more important now than ever. I think the issue is, is that teams are comfortable. GMs are comfortable with who they signed and who they drafted and who they brought in previously. I think that's the main issue with the depth. Nobody really wants to bring in somebody from the outside right now, especially with the protocols and everything. There's a hesitance to make a move unless this move truly benefits the hockey club. Right. And that's that's from from many front office personnel that I've spoken to over the past couple of months because things have been fairly quiet. We've been talking about the same names now for a while, starting to get into beat a dead horse territory with the Kravitz, the Kravtsovs, the Tomas Hurdles, right. the you know Ryan Stroms, the Jake DeBrus, and we're still like, when are they going to be moved? Well, honestly, it just comes down to that depth thing, like you said, and teams are more comfortable with what they have. The taxi squad's back in play now, recently after the Christmas break. So you get a little bit of cap relief for stashing some guys on the taxi squad. Not much, but they're there. And you kind of want to go into battle with what you know you have, right, as opposed yeah. to making that move. So that's been the big holdup. And once a dom- I think once a domino falls, once a John Klingberg gets moved, once a Tomas Hurdle gets moved, if the Sharks do end up moving him, I think teams will start to see, hey, we can make deals. They want to see what the market value is for the top end and then have that trickle down to the depth pieces. But that's been the biggest holdup right now. and Why a lot of talks have been fairly bad. I mean, we're sitting here, we're talking about the same names. Not that that's a bad thing because there's new information about those names. But that's why there's no surprising things of years past because of this whole COVID issue. Yeah, and, and you mentioned <clears throat> Kelly Yamamoto on Edmonton a little earlier. I kind of want to dive into Edmonton just because, you know, they started off really, really hot, and now they can't seem – I mean, they couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat right now. Um, this is a team that, at least in my opinion, I don't remember the last time that they had, like, a, a premier kind of goalie. Um, I think that's kind of been a problem. You have McDavid and Dreisaitl, two of the top – I'll say ten, maybe five forwards in the entire game, um, and they just can't get anything done. I think in this point, Edmonton, they they have to make some sort of move, whether it be a coaching move or, you know, somebody in the lineup. Where do you see Edmonton going? Would you agree on the fact that, like, goaltending has just been the issue? I, I don't understand how they haven't brought somebody in yet to really be their guy. Goaltending's the number one thing that we could point to to be the issue, right? But And Brett and I had this discussion on Wednesday on the show. Basically, I think what Edmonton's failed at, and we've seen it in the past, pre-McDavid, pre-Leon Dreisettles, they've had top-end talent through the draft, and they've failed to supplement them with anything, really. And we see what happens where Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the top overall draft pick, he was the guy at one point, and now he's fallen. He's injured right now, but now he's kind of fell into supplemental talent to Leon and McDavid, right? right? And I'm not saying Leon and McDavid are supplemental talent. I'd do you one better. You said they're two of the top five. I think they're two of the top two forwards in the National Hockey League. I really think that they're the two best forwards in the world. But the, it's a total case study and why you can't have top-end talent do it all by themselves, right? These two guys lead the league in points. They're both sharing 53 points right now at the top of the league, but Edmonton's fallen out. I do think goaltending is the thing to point to. You know, Ken Holland wanted to run into battle with Mike Smith again in the net, and he's about – I mean, they always say availability is the best ability. He's only available half the time, yep. and that's always been the issue of Mike Smith post-Arizona. I think that's really coming back to, you know, 
bite them in the ass in, in Edmonton for lack of better terms that they didn't upgrade a net. But the big thing with Edmonton now is like, where do you, where do you turn to? Right. Because the people would say Mark Andre Fleury is the big name. He's a goaltender. He's on the market. Mark Andre Fleury has a no movement cost. And I get it that Chicago's not going to make the playoffs and they're not necessarily good either. But at the same time, does Mark Andre Fleury waive that no trade clause to go to Edmonton? It's cold there. To, uh, to <laughs> shout out my, my co-host, Brett Merriman, because he mentioned that. I thought it was a great line. It is cold, and we know how Mark andre Fleury really didn't want to move on from Vegas because he's not a big fan of you know relocating his family. Right. Do we think that he's going to wave to Edmonton? Does he think that Edmonton really has a shot at the Cup this year? And I say no, and I, that's without knowing you know the direct thinking of Mark andre Fleury in his camp, Alan Walsh. It's hard to pick his brain. Trust me, it's hard to pick Alan Walsh's brain. But uh, but that's my thought, right? Is like, why would he necessarily wave to Edmonton? So that's not an easy solution. On top, on top of that, with all the COVID protocols up in Canada too, like that's not going to be something that somebody's going to be like, oh, I totally want to go there and play in front of no fans. Exactly, and that's the thing, right? Like, there's a lot more to it than just saying, well, Chicago sucks. I'm going to end up at Edmonton and have a chance at the playoffs. There's more that goes into it. Lena Solmark, another guy that has a no-trade clause. I think it's limited to five or ten teams or so in Boston. But would he have Edmonton on the no-go list? So that's the thing with Edmonton is they've struggled. And I don't want to just sit here and dog on them, right, because they're they're a good team. They have top-end talent that we mentioned. But I mean, you mentioned Dreisaitl and McDavid. You put them on each other like a different line. 50% of the game, you either have McDavid or Dreisaitl on the ice. So, so like, Yeah, no, they're not a bad team. And that's, that's yeah. why I don't want to get mistaken. It's just that. They are underachievers through and through. Dave Tippett, you know, that's the other thing, too. If you're a goaltender and you see what he said about Miro Koskinen, right, those comments, how do you feel as a goaltender that could potentially – Edmonton may or may not be on your no-go list with a no-trade clause. <laughs> I love I loved Koskinen's quote where he's like, I don't really like being thrown under the bus, and then he throws everybody else under the bus. You know what? Good for him because right? as, as bad as he's been, I'm not a big fan of throwing your goaltender under the bus. Goaltender is a position of confidence, and you need to lift the goaltender. It's very similar to a quarterback in football in that that individual's confidence is almost directly correlated to the success of the team, right? So if you throw your goaltender, your quarterback under the bus, the entire bus breaks down because when that guy shot, the rest of the team shot because they look to him as the last line of defense, right? So those comments from Tippett, you know, I don't think it'll sway anybody out of going to Edmonton. But at the same time, goaltenders are a unique breed. They're a strong union of guys that stick together. A lot of the goalies around the league, you know, keep in touch and whatnot because there's really only 32 starters of them. And those comments, have, I'm surely, have opened some eyes amongst goaltenders who would really want to play for a coach that just throws his team under the bus or throws his goaltender under the bus like that. When they're yeah. really, at Koskinen, a point, they're not really providing the offense that they should outside of McDavid and Dreisaitl either. I don't really know why he said that. I'm looking at it. I'm trying to figure out if there's any sort of positive that can come from those remarks. And it's like, uh, I, I mean, I guess maybe you're backing like your players, but you're you're just alienating your biggest issue. Yeah, and that's the thing. You need you need the absolute peak performance out of Koskinen, out of Stuart Skinner, out of Mike Smith when he's healthy. You got to lift those guys up, right? And you got to tell those guys, hey. You're going to have to go in there, and right now we're not getting the scoring done on the offensive end. You're going to have to steal a game 2-1, 3-2, right? And unfortunately, Tippett chose another route that's his decision. I don't think it leads to any of these crazy rumors about Tippett being out before the end of the season. You look at the history of uh, Ken Holland. He doesn't fire coaches mid-year besides the fact that people like to think of the Mike Babcock fit there. Mike Babcock, probably one of my 
favorites of the asshole dinosaurs. I hate to say it, but like, I don't think he's the guy there either that you want in McDavid's ear. So Tippett's team, he's going to work himself out of this, but it's going to involve retooling that roster, I think. And I know that McDavid and his agency doesn't want to hear that. Another retool in Edmonton. But Tyson Barry wants out, so you're going to have to bring in somebody on the blue line if you move him. They need secondary scoring because that top line is so heavy with Dre, uh, Dre Settle, McDavid, Jesse Pugliarvi. Nugent Hopkins is out right now. Do you, think, do you think Nugent Hopkins is a name that, that they get that they get rid of? I'm just thinking, like, you're trying to retool this team, right? You have a first-line center and a second-line center, McDavid, Dry Settle, if you decide to split them up. It would be nice to have, like, him as a third-line center, but at the same time, you need so many other things. Do you think that that's a name that gets moved? If they could bring in a winger on the outside that can supplement that first line, if you do split up McDavid and Dry Settle, right? Because – I don't want to speculate on a name because what will happen is people will run with it. And say, okay. <laughs> yeah, no. and like, <laughs> yep. All right. Can I preface this by saying this is not a thing. I'm making this up for speculative purposes. Yes. But take a guy like Phil Forsberg, for example, right, in, in Nashville. If you move Nugent Hopkins in a piece, I'm not saying that the fit makes sense for Nashville. This is just the type of guy. You put is, him now. Is he on. unrestricted this year or coming up? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. He, yes, he's an unrestricted free agent, free agent at the end of the season. So you just take him, for example. I'm not saying a nuge for him trade makes sense for either party, but you put a guy like Forsberg on the wing of McDavid and Pugliarvi on that first line and you split up the two. That's a lot better than McDavid, Pugliarvi, and Dreisaitl you know, no having out. to carry on the front first line. Right. Nugent Hopkins, when he's healthy on the second, you have nobody outside of that, right? So I think it's – Nugent Hopkins is a guy that can move if Edmonton chooses and Ken Holland chooses to better balance out that roster. So that's, that's where things kind of lie on Nugent Hopkins. And there's teams around the league that are looking for center, right? It's a premium yeah. position. Plenty of organizations will move a winger for a center. So if Ken Holland goes that route, I don't foresee it being too big of a problem to get it done. No, no, I I can see that for sure. There, there's a couple other names that I kind of wanted to bring up. Uh, Claude Giroux, I see, I see his name kind of going around Twitter. Uh, depending on whether or not the Flyers are going to make the playoffs, doesn't really look likely right now. Um, do you think that Claude Giroux is just going to be a career flyer? And if not, there's some potential destinations for him. I hope he is, just for, for his sake. He's a really good guy. He's done nothing I, wrong. He, that, he's like, done that nothing guy's wrong, an absolute yeah. battler, man. And, and in his prime, like he obviously wasn't Sidney Crosby, but the battles that he had with Sidney Crosby, that one playoff where he demanded the start and he went and he laid him out and then he went in and he scored, like that was just like some flyer shit. But, he's a Philadelphia Flyer. He became yeah. a Philadelphia Flyer by way of Quebec. And that's that's the thing with Claude Giroux. Like, I personally hope to see him finish his career in Philly. And he still might, even if he gets moved. Let's keep that in mind, too. Right. He can go out somewhere like a Calgary or a Colorado, two teams that I know for a fact have inquired about his services over the past couple of months. Right now, Philly's a little hesitant because they're clinging, right? We don't. They're not contenders. We know that. But they might be pretenders for now. And they can squeeze out a playoff berth. And it's good for the younger guys in the system if they do. So... That's not a move that happens yet, but we know Colorado has looked into it. We know Calgary's looked into it. He could foreseeably move out there, chase a Stanley Cup, and end back in Philly in the offseason. Yeah. So I don't think the book is written for Claude Giroux with the Flyers. I think the problem with the, with the Claude Giroux trade is that the Flyers, they have this intrinsic value baked into their captain, right, that other teams won't give up. And for what he's provided to the organization over the past 10, 15 years, Claude Giroux, is something that you just can't get back in a trade that Philly is trying to seek out right now. Right. Chuck Fletcher wants the value of Claude Giroux, the, the, who bleeds black and orange. And unfortunately, the other teams are seeing Claude Giroux as a rental 2C around the league that 
can contribute to a Stanley Cup run, but not the elite guy he once was. And that's the disconnect with the Claude Giroux trade. That's why that's part of the reason why it wasn't didn't happen yet. The other reason being Philly is trying to still figure out what they really have in that locker room with Mike Yo now at the helm. But the other part of it is yes, Chuck Fletcher is looking for the value of, you know, the captain of the Philadelphia Flyers and not former elite center Claude Giroux. Fair enough. And then another name, Joe Pavelski. Um, this is a guy, again, depending on what the stars end up doing, could very well be on the move. Uh, he can play center, he can play wing. He's great in front of the net on the power play. This could be a guy that somebody picks up for a playoff push. You're going to get that veteran kind of guy in the locker room, does all the little things the right way. Uh, what do you have on Pav? He makes sense for a bunch of teams around the league. He's got a buddy in Florida by the name of Joe Thornton. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, that picture is pretty funny. It's awesome. And Florida's got a little bit of space to play with here at the deadline as as the daily accrual of cap kind of ascends up to to March 21st. Is he the guy they go after? Jonathan Huberdeau, top five in points right now. Who really saw that coming? Sasha Barkov playing unbelievable. I would I would believe that they probably would want to upgrade more on the blue line in Florida. I think that's where their struggle's been. But if they're looking for a 3C, you can't go wrong with Joe Pavelski, right, if the stars fall out of this. The familiarity with Joe Thornton, he can step in, like you mentioned. He can play every position on offense. And they have the space to play with at the deadline if they move a contract or two or they retain a little bit, which the stars are amicable to, to do. We know Jim Nill has done that in the past, and he will do it again. So Florida is an interesting fit for Pavelski. And I look forward to seeing him chase another cup because I don't think it's going to be in Dallas. I hope they do move him for his sake so he has a shot at the Stanley Cup. Uh, yeah, Pavelski, I mean, you add him to any team that's really looking to make some sort of splash in the playoffs, he immediately makes their lineup better. So that, that'll that definitely be uh, one to see. Are there are there any teams that have kind of surprised you this year that, you know, you, you weren't expecting them to be where they are right now, good or bad, that might need some help? So the New York Rangers have been a surprise just because – Yeah, let's talk about the Rangers. All right. Let's I'll, talk about the I know you want to hear it. So I'll say <laughs> the New York Rangers have been a big surprise to me, especially because – a lot of people dogged on their offseason acquisitions, moving out Buchnevich, bringing in Sammy Blay, Ryan Reeves, Patrick Nemeth, who has kind of been of a bust for all intents and purposes. He hasn't really been good, but they, they grit it up the roster, right? They they got tougher up front and on the back end. They gave Shostark in the reins with that contract, and there were a lot of question marks about his injury history going into the offseason, which I've never been a big believer in. I think that you take out the car accident, which is a freak thing, Yep. And you add one groin and an ankle, and that's pretty common for a goalie, right? Yeah, those, things but those things happen. But they've been a surprise. To, to be where they are right now is a testament to Gerard Gallant and, and what he's able to do behind a bench. I mean, everywhere he's went, he's had immediate <laughs> success. And then it falls apart after year two or year three. But, you know, Florida, he had immediate success before he ended up on the literal taxi squad to the airport. Yep. And Vegas, they – to, he takes the, an expansion team to the cup final in their first year before he gets kicked to the curb at the all-star break for, for Peter DeBoer. So he's had success and then it kind of flames out. So really, if you think about it, he's right on track for what he's doing with the New York Rangers team, but great. still a surprise nonetheless. <laughs> Detroit's been a big surprise. I think they're way ahead of the curve in their rebuild. They've been I mean, fun to watch, man. Extremely fun to watch. And them in Anaheim, and I'm going to name Anaheim yeah. next, two teams that I think have – Masterclass the rebuild. Now we know Bob Murray not obviously at the GM of Anaheim anymore. They're looking for a GM currently, but 
That front office staff is great. Martin Madden Jr.'s assistant GM there. He's a great talent and will get a GM job at some point around the league. And both those two teams have navigated the rebuilds. You you look at the young talent between those two teams, Jamie Drysdale, Mason McTavish, Trevor Zegris, you know, Ty Bertuzzi and uh, uh, Raymond's cider. Most cider. Yeah. Lucas Raymond. Yeah. There is talent in those two hockey clubs. So they've been big surprises and they're on the outside looking in right now, the playoffs Anaheim's a little bit higher up the standings, but Detroit outside looking in, they can get frisky at the right time again and, and make a run for it. So those two teams are way ahead of the curve. And then the disappointment, Philly's a disappointment to me just because of what they thought they were doing in the offseason, right? They, they knew that their biggest issue was on defense. So what did they do? They brought in Rasmus Ristolainen, and who I'm a bigger fan of than many. Ryan I think Ellis. that he, Ryan Ellis is another big, probably bigger than Ristolainen, but Rasmus Ristolainen was, was the type of guy that I thought could bring a little bit of physicality on the back end. Right, be a and good fire. Good fire, yep. Yeah. A good, a good Philly flyer, yeah. And, and, didn't really work out in Buffalo, so that type of change of scenery thing is what I thought could work for him. It really hasn't. Ryan Ellis hasn't been healthy. Proveroff severely underachieving. That's why they're looking to bring in defensive coaching help. You know, a couple of their other guys haven't been healthy. Sam Morin hasn't played in forever. So, a big disappointment for injuries and for other reasons, but they're probably my true disappointment of the year. I mean, we can go on and on all day, and I could say here's the winners and losers of what, what the league looks like right now. But I'll keep it to that to avoid uh, taking up too much of your time. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Let's let's go back to the Rangers. I'm looking uh, at their current roster. That Sammy Blay injury sucks because I think that he brought another element of physicality with a little bit of skill. Um, going down the middle, they locked up Mika for a while. Ryan Strom is not yet to be signed. I know that it's kind of like an argument. Is Philip Hedel ready to be the number two center, I think, as of this year? Absolutely fucking not. Um, do you think you see Ryan Strom re-sign? And then on top of that, you have the Georgiev. Uh, there's reports that he's not happy that he's not a starter, this and that. Um, he played decent when Shesterkin got hurt, and then he went to COVID, and then he just got absolutely lit up by Vegas. Uh, what what do you what type of moves do you see the Rangers make as you know as a deadline kind of comes up uh, for this season and maybe even for beyond? Chemistry is such an important thing to a team, especially in, in the National Hockey League. And they and don't put why, them on spreadsheets, and that's why all those fucking people get so mad when you see these the, – because they're not in the room. You can't really, like, value somebody based on, like, what they bring to the locker room, right? But you can statistically, but people just don't understand that. No, and, and the thing with the chemistry and where the point was going was you look at Ryan Strom and what he has with Artemi Panarin over the past couple seasons with a rotating cast at right winger, right? Yep. Panarin plays the left. Strom's up the middle. They've had a rotating rotating cast from Jesper Foss to Capo Caco. Sammy Blay at one point was playing there. They rotated in Barkley Goodrow. They're looking for that fit on the right wing. But the two the, the two constants have always been Ryan Strom and Artemi Panarin. Mm-hmm. Now, Strom has been playing really well in the absence of Panarin. And I think Ryan Strom has transcended the, oh, he's just a points getter for Artemi Panarin, too. He can hold his own. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know if I'd be willing to say that he is a clear-cut, number two center. I, I still think that his production is tied to tied to the wing talent around him. Like I don't think he could carry a line mm-hmm. and carry possession up the middle. But he he does a lot with the puck and he's playing a little bit closer to that fifth overall pick that we saw him go for with the New York Islanders. So so you can't really move him because of the chemistry he has in the room unless you know that he's really not resigning. You're not going to bring him in for the six and a half that he could potentially get on the open market this free agency. And that you have to get something for him now. There's a chance that the Rangers say, listen, 
we have a real shot at the cup this year, we bake him in as our own rental. He's our rental for the season. Yeah. And then we build depth and that's it. We go to war with that. Filipito, like you mentioned, clearly not ready to be the number two center, clearly not ready to even be a center in the National Hockey League. Uh, I still think he projects better as a winger. 100%. Because when I'm thinking down the middle, I need guys that are going to make other people around them better. And he, he's just a one-man show. Like He's a, he's a one-man show. He dri- Listen, drives the net hard. He can I, skate. He guy can can skate. Fucking, if Lafreniere had his wheels, Lafreniere would be a point-per-game point player. And that's always been the knock on Lafreniere, even coming out of the draft, was his skating ability. It, you know, natural born leader, natural born hockey IQ, but, you know, his skating was left to be desired and we're seeing it. And that's OK, yeah. because, you know, the Rangers have done pretty well with their prospects over the year in terms of skating ability. Right. They mm-hmm. work with Capo Caco. He was a completely different player now compared to last year or the year before. Exactly. And a lot of the Rangers players go skate with Ben Prentice in the offseason in Connecticut. Chris Kreider is one of those guys who has improved the skating to the point where Chris Kreider is one of the fastest guys in the league. So. So the Rangers, the, the jury's still out on Lafreniere. I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't feel great throwing that bus tag on him yet. I still think there's a ton of potential to be had. He's so young too. Right. But in terms of moves to be made, and this is this is what I mentioned this past Wednesday on the Cold Stove Pod, the Rangers are one of those teams that they're old school with Turk behind the bench. I don't think they want to mess with chemistry too much. I don't foresee them going after the Phil Kessels, the Tomas Hurdles, unless there's truly a belief in that locker room that they're they're fit. They're going to mesh right in. Right. And you're going to continue on with those guys. I don't think that this is the Rangers of the years past, but they're going to go chasing names for the sake of chasing names here. And there's some big names on the market, right? Tarasenko, probably not anymore with how St. Louis is playing. He was at one point, but that's probably out. But Phil Kessel, Jacob Chikrin, you know, Thomas Hurdle, Claude Giroux wouldn't be a fit. Those two teams would never make a deal. But there's some big names on the market, especially up the middle, that could help them. But I don't foresee this Rangers club making a move for the sake of making the big move. I think they're truly invested in the dynamic in the locker room. You saw with the acquisitions of Ryan Reeves and Sammy Blay. That being said, I think the one name that Rangers fans have speculated on over the past couple months and that I'll add fuel to the fire is, is Riley Smith. If Vegas Vegas, moves, if Vegas, if if Vegas clears the cap space out, which they don't have to right now with Max Pacioretty's wrist surgery. And it depends on how long patches is out for but either way, he's a free agent at the end of the year. And if they'd like to get some value out of Riley Smith, they're going to look to move him over anybody else. And there's a guy who Gerard Gallant knows the fit and what he could provide to a team. He was one of his original golden misfits. And it's not so much of getting the old Ben back together as it is. He provides what the Rangers are looking for. He's a winger. He's that winger player. you could plug in with Stroman Panarin and just let him fly. Yep, on the second line slash third line if you have to drop him down for a little bit. He's a free agent at the end of the season. The Rangers have a lot of money tied up in years future, and they're going to have even more when they have to re-sign Capocaco. But he's making $6 million, but only for this season, so it's kind of a wash there. They could retain a little bit of salary if they need to get the deal done. And that's the fit. And Vegas, think about it. They're looking to get a little bit younger, too, and the Rangers' biggest trade trip is over in Chelyabinsk in Russia right now. Yep. So yeah. you and can kind of help out both yeah. teams. There's a fit there. Yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah. that's the name I'm looking at for the Rangers. And if, and if you're you look at the Rangers, I completely get where you're talking about chemistry. You don't want to mess it up, but they have those those prospects they could they could deal. It's not the years where they traded their first round picks every single year. So they have guys like Schneider, Lundqvist, Jones, uh, Robertson, Kratzov. Like they they have pieces that they can go out and, and get better if if the, you know if they want to. But I mean, I, I would like Riley Smith on the second line. I think that would that would definitely make 
a little bit better in terms of you can now you can you can pinpoint Barkley or Drow's gonna be on your third and fourth line. You're gonna have Revo, Greg McKegg would finally come out of the fucking lineup. Like that would instantly make their team better. Do you think Georgiev's gonna be gone before the deadline? I go back and forth on it, right? Because he struggled as of late. He played well, like you said, in in Shcherkin's absence, but he struggled overall when you look at the bigger picture of Alexander yeah. Georgiev over the past couple of years. He's not the potential one B slash starter that we thought he was going to be. I think he's settled himself down a little bit, came back to earth and he's truly a premier backup in yeah. my opinion. And I could be wrong, but in my opinion, he's probably the best backup in the league. But if GMs are listening to this podcast, absolutely a number one, true, true goal, number one, true goalie, right? Yeah. I'll say that for you. I'll put in a good word for you, <laughs> but no. So there's teams around the league that are in the market for that. But at the same time, if you're the Rangers, and you plan on making a run, we know that goaltending depth is probably the most important position to have it at. And with COVID, you know, Adam Huska struggled in his first career NHL start. May I not be so ready. For that guy, dude, that sucked. Keith Kincaid is an awesome dude. Love Keith. And he could yeah, definitely hold down the Ford as the backup. But at the same time, you know, what happens if Keith Kincaid or Shesterkin goes out again? And then you're out of it now because you don't really have the depth there. Yorgiev is under contract for another season, I believe. I could be wrong on that. Somebody will have to fact check me. But he's under contract. He's cost-controlled. You know what you're getting with him. He's good for maybe a three-goal, two-goal night when he's hot, right? Like, he's not going to steal a shutout, but he can stop a couple of pucks and you can win a game with some offensive pressure. So, should they move him? I don't know. Will they move him? I don't know. And I know that's a bad answer and that makes for bad radio, but... I think there's there's back and forth to it all, right? Like he wants to be moved because he thinks he's ready for a bigger role, but at the same time, the Rangers can sit here and say, "Look at Vegas of the past couple of years of Flurry and, and Leonard. Look at the Islanders with Sorokin and, and Varlamov. The goaltending depth is extremely important. Dallas Stars with look what the Dallas Stars have happened to them, right? They had Holtby, Jake Ottinger, Anton Kudobin, and Ben Bishop, and now that is dwindled down <laughs> massively to Holtby and Jake Ottinger, right? So goaltending depth is important. And I wonder if that's what Chris Jerry's playing the long game on here is that we'll kick this thing down the road a little bit longer to the offseason. Right now we have a chance at uh, at making a run here deep in the playoffs and goaltending depth is too important for that. No, that's a great point, especially with the whole COVID thing happening. I, I Shesterkin's on the uh, protocol right now, which long-term in terms of the playoffs, I don't know if you can get COVID back-to-back, but like the antibodies, hopefully they just fucking chill out so we don't have to worry about that with him. Um, here's a name, Evander Kane. Do you ever see him playing in the NHL game? Are, are there teams that would be interested in his services? I do. I, I don't know what teams. I've heard things, but, uh, you know, not at the confidence level to share them. And yeah. that's not not to protect anybody, just not at the confidence. I mean, teams are obviously interested. GMs, you're not doing your job if you're not leaving every stone unturned to upgrade mm-hmm. your club. But between the off-ice baggage that comes around Evander Kane and the uncertainty about anything that could come out in the future has a lot of teams hesitant. And the most likely scenario is that he plays his contract out with the Barracuda and maybe he gets a shot back in San Jose just because they need the depth and it's a lot cheaper to call him up and teams don't really want to trade for him. So I foresee that being the immediate path of Vander Kane, but you never know. I mean, he could come out and be model citizen of the year, 2022, 2023 and teams look back into you know, acquiring him because we know he's talented, right? Like that's the one thing you can't take away from him. He's the reason why he was in the position he was in with the contract he had is because he's talented. So I, I think for right now, teams are uh, at a pause on that. There's 
want to see what he could do for a full year of the AHL, right? Because he could potentially blow up and be disappointed in his AHL assignment for too long. And then they're like, see, they're justified in their, you know, their hesitancy around Evander Kane. So pause on Evander Kane right now. All right. Um, do we, do you have any other names that are kind of floating around out there that we might not kind of know of or anything? Cause I, I'm pretty sure I broke down pretty much everyone that I've seen recently. You know, those are the big names recently. I mean, if you, the one thing I'll say, and this is more of a general statement. I mean, we talked a little bit about Mark andre Fleury, too. I, I know we didn't go too much into him. Edmonton, like I said, I, I don't know if you're Mark andre Fleury, why you'd really want to wave there. But nonetheless, they're interested in him. Colorado's still looking for goaltender depth, and he could be the guy that leads them to a Stanley Cup. Obviously, there's teams out there that need the help in the net. I don't know if he goes to a... Because I'm trying to think, like, Buffalo, He doesn't. He, he's not going to wave to go to Buffalo. They're not making the playoffs. And he might as well just stay in Chicago. He already really located his family there. So let's just take with the Marc-Andre Fleury situation. It's hard to pin down right now because you could say there's 15 teams that are interested in the services. But we saw what happened with Vegas when they moved him and how important family was to him in relocating and that no-trade clause. So it's great. It's fine. And we could sit here, like I said, we can go through the list and we could sit on cat friendly and say, it makes sense here. doesn't make sense here, <laughs> but it all comes down to, it comes down to, you know, where Mark Andre Fleury would be comfortable moving if at all right now. Right. Cause he could be struggling in Chicago, but be comfortable there and say, listen, this is, I'll play out my contract here as a free agent at the end of the year. I'll kick it. I'll kick the decision down to July and then I'll make a choice of whether I want to continue or where I want to end up, you know, and that's all my choice. So he's an interesting name, but it's hard to pinpoint down. Outside of him, more of a general statement, like I mentioned, I don't think because of COVID and because of the protocols and everything, I think this is going to be a deadline where things happen very abruptly at the end. And I know we tease that every year and we say this is going to be the best deadline and then shit never happens. And I get it. I'm guilty of it, too. But at the same time, I think that because of the hesitancy, I think once that domino falls, I think things are going to break open. Like I said, I think GMs are very hesitant right now to make a move, not knowing what tomorrow brings, right? Like you're still seeing games postponed in Canada. Con- these owners don't really want to pay out contracts and write checks if they're not, this is a business, right? If you don't have fans and the games are being postponed and you're not playing, it hurts to sign a paycheck once a week, right? So, cause there's guaranteed these might, yes, they get game checks, but there is some guaranteed money baked into every deal. So that I think is the hesitancy right now. And once the floodgates open, or if we start to see some, you know, reprieve from this from these COVID protocols and things start to get better, then things will open up. So this truly has a chance of being the the last minute deadline that we've all yearned for for quite some time now. Awesome, man. Well, we've had you on for almost 45 minutes, guys. This is NRD. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at NHL Rumors Daily. He's the host of the at Cold Stove Pod. Give that a chance. Check it out if you haven't already. Uh, NRT man, thanks for hopping on, dude. This was fun. We'll definitely get you back on here in the future as you know, things kind of heat up. Uh, I look at you as the people's, the people's guy. And, and I, I like, I look at myself, the people's insiders, NRD. That's the moniker I've adopted. That's the moniker that the people have bestowed upon me. And that's <laughs> fine. If I carry the torch for the people and be the people's insider, I have no problem doing that. I mean, yeah. And, and insiders, that, that, dude. If I couldn't be an NHL hockey player, being an NHL insider would be like the coolest thing. I feel like Bob McKenzie lives the absolute best life. He's Bobby Margaritas. Look at that man! Right, and he's he had like a margarita named after him. Now. Yeah, he's got the he's got the Bobby, Bobby Margarita line that just launched in uh, in Canada. So if that's uh, 
that's what you aspire to be. Be on the lookout for some NRD cocktails coming soon. <laughs> I love it. All right, guys, that's at NHL Rumors Daily. Thanks for hopping on. This is this episode of The Morning Skate. We will talk to you guys next week.